0: Twitter can definitely be a fickle mistress most of the time, but you also get a lot of nuggets of truth and you also get a lot of information. If you like to eat, sleep and breathe Oklahoma state or big 12, this is really the best place for you to be. So let's find out why you are a locked on Oklahoma
1: state, your daily
0: podcast on the Oklahoma state Cowboys, part of the locked on podcast
1: network. Your team, every day.
0: Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things Cowboy and Cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Find me on Twitter at Aldeo State. We are available on every single podcasting platform as well as YouTube. All right, so we're going to jump right into this, guys. We do a lot of stuff on Twitter, right? There's a pretty good little group of O-State guys who do it on a regular basis. We may may not go daily, um, but we at least go pretty much every other day. Uh, And we chop it up sometimes for hours. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes we'll talk about football, basketball, baseball, track, soccer, cross country, golf. It really doesn't matter if it's Oklahoma State or Big 12 involved. We cover it. And let me introduce you to somebody we got joining the show today. My main man on these Twitter spaces that helps run things the right way. Mr. Trent Snitz, what's up, my brother man? How are you doing today? I'm doing
1: wonderful, man. Thank you for allowing me to come on your show.
0: Absolutely, brother man. Yeah, so we've we we chop it up all the time, right? Me and you and and, and Jason and Davis and a bunch of other people on the Twitter spaces. And the reason I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit more is whenever you see all these spaces, right? It's typically you see places like Miami, Texas A&M, Florida State, Texas, they have Twitter spaces every single day for hours and hours and hours, right? And the whole idea behind this job is to help grow Oklahoma State University. And I do know whether you like it, love it, or hate it, Twitter is probably the biggest voice out there for people to obtain quote-unquote information. I say quote-unquote with bunny ears because I know getting information on Twitter, it's like sifting through the ashes to to find one coal. I, I get it. Which is why I'm I brought you on. Which is why we're having this conversation. What we're going to talk about today is going to be very reminiscent of what we're going to talk about on Twitter Spaces. So if you if you need more Oklahoma State info and you just can't get enough of it, and if you're anything like us, these Twitter Spaces are very beneficial. Sometimes we have current players on, former players on, uh, players of, of parents or parents of players, and it's just the dichotomy of the amount of knowledge that that gets. Spread. It's actually pretty cool, and it makes it a lot of fun. So, thank you for being integral in that ride. So, today, what we're going to jump into first, we can talk about everything, but the hot topic always has been, always will be, the quarterback position. Right? That's the sexy pick. So, if you watched the show yesterday, I don't know, we talked about it a little bit uh, on the Twitter Spaces last night. Was there anything surprising that that came out of the scrimmage? In your opinion, from the quarterback position?
1: uh i think just the news that we heard about zane flores i mean the guy seems like he's the real deal for you know being from nebraska i think a lot of people still you know not necessarily osu fans but people that around the big 12 may have doubted him because i'm not sure you know how great nebraska high school football is but just you know him coming in and you know first day and showing out and has already have, has a buzz around campus i think that's awesome man and that's i i genuinely believe he is the future of Oklahoma state football.
0: No, I think you're right. And, and it it seems to be that way, right? He is looking like the future of the program and he's definitely, he's far and away above where Garrett Rangel or Gunnar Gundy ever were as, as as a freshman, right? If you look at Zane Flores right now compared to uh, Garrett Rangel at this time last year, it is not the same conversation that obviously uh, I will admit, but at the same time, Even if, like, okay, in your opinion, what would it take for Zane Flores to be the starter day one, knowing that Gundy has a propensity to not be the biggest fan in the world of true freshmen, in any position?
1: Man, that's what I was about to say. He just, Gundy, it's, you know, we saw it with Spencer Sanders, you know, whenever Spencer Sanders came in his freshman year, a lot of people were, you know, pleading the case for him to get in and at least play, you know, his mom even came out on Twitter and Yep. Posted something like, let my boy play, yada, yada. But I think regardless whether it's Bowman or Rangel, like one of the two of those dudes will be the starter. Like when first game when they trot out, Bowman or Rangel will start. I think Flores will get his opportunities to get into the game right. um, and play. And, you know, obviously if you're still – if you want to redshirt them, you still can play them four games. So I was like, we'll see, we'll see what happens. It's going to be really interesting because like I said, no one really knows too much about Alan Bowman with, he didn't really play at Michigan, you know? Right. And I mean, he, you know, we saw him um, when he was at Texas tech and he lit OSU up. So if that's the Alan Bowman we're getting, I think Alan Bowman is going to play the whole year as the starter. And Rangel will back him up and we'll end up redshirting Flores. But that's the whole reason I think Gundy did it's like. A corndog year. Gundy's bringing in a play one year just to get Flores familiar with the playbook and OSU system in general. And I think Flores will take over as a redshirt freshman. Really? I do. I do. And no, no knock on Rangel. Like I said, I don't, I. it's really up in the air. I don't know because like I said, I don't know what all's going on with Rangel. It's still a little too early to know because oh, yeah. I don't know what Rangel's worked on in the short off season he's had um, to improve. So I don't know. We'll really see it as, as you know, time progresses on with the spring practices and see, see what happens. But I don't, I mean, I just wasn't really impressed with Rangel last year, even being a freshman. I understand like it's, you know, it's a whole different level of football going from high school. Cause he tore it up in high school. You know what I mean? So. Well, we'll also I, I think
0: that, you know, whenever he came, there was, No conversation, right, about him preparing like he was going to be the starter whatsoever. Mm -hmm. At at almost any time in the season, right? And, you know, I know people want to throw a lot of shade because the sample size that we saw wasn't necessarily the greatest. But again, I I think you have to take into consideration what he was being asked to do before he was asked to, to jump in. It was different. And we also got to remember... That out of Gundy's mouth, uh, whenever he rolled out um, Garrett Rengel for the uh, the Kansas State game, right, his conversation on the sideline to Robert Allen was, he, you know, he's starting because not because he beat out Gunnar Gundy, but because he wanted to avoid some of the negative connotations in the press conference afterwards. Like he yeah. legitimately said that, well, and that, was, that was bothersome for me, but that that. In and of itself, in my opinion, it leans itself for us to believe that Garrett Rangel wasn't exactly prepared. He was kind of thrust into a a no-win situation, in my opinion. And we all know the poor kid was a string bean. Like his mama bear will tell you, if the poor guy couldn't put on 15, 16 pounds, which he has, but if he couldn't do that, it was going to be a struggle for a significant amount of time. But what Garrett Rangel was asked to do in the offseason, obviously he's been able to do. Um, so we're gonna get back into i want to go back to Alan Bowman. Okay, but real quick, I do have to jump in and let the fine people out here know today. We're partially brought to you by FanDuel. Now, you guys, you guys are very well aware that FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. That's right, because now You need to go get uh, the FanDuel app because we're giving new customers the No Sweat First Bet. It's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your No Sweat First Bet. You already know you can wager on a multitude of things. You can uh, bet on the money line, bet on the point spread, bet on who's going to knock down the next three or who's going to win the whole daggone thing. The app is super safe, secure, and easy to use, so don't miss your shot to get this no-sweat first bet. Again, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win when you join FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up now. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel. All right, brothers. Let's, let's go back to Alan Bowman. The fear for me, right, since we now know he looks like Drew Brees, Brandon Weeden, Mason Rudolph, whatever you want to say when it's when it's just drills, right? Throwing to the nets, hitting the spots, running the routes. But whenever we went live in the scrimmage, it just it all kind of I don't know. It's like it looked like it came too fast for him. Is that a sign, or do you think maybe when we get into full pads, they'll find that next gear?
1: I think he's just rusty. I mean, like I said, he didn't play in Michigan that much I don't I don't even know if he ever got in at Michigan to be honest with you do you know
0: he got some snaps, but nothing realistic no
1: yeah, so I mean, yeah, the guy's gonna have a little rust. it's just you know gonna take him some time, but I mean, he has plenty of time from now up until the first game of the season so I mean I it, I think, yeah, he can definitely switch gears. And I think that, you know, the dude has a cannon for an arm. He is, I mean, looking at his, you know, his, his clips from Texas Tech, the guy is accurate. He can throw a bomb. And like, that is what Oklahoma State looks for in a quarterback. Someone that can launch the ball down the field and is accurate. And, you know, Spencer Sanders was a different type of quarterback than what OSU was used to having, you know, we're not used to having a, a uh, dual threat quarterback that, you know, can take off and is really good running with the ball. We're used to having a guy, that, a six, a six foot two, six foot three guy, six foot four, that can stand in the pocket and launch the ball. But you know, if the place, the play busts, just throw it out of bounds. That's the type of guy that OSU's used to having in Bowman. He seems like he's pretty decent with his feet too. Like I'm not saying he's a Spencer Sanders runner, but he looks like he can, uh, you know, if, if if he gets some D linemen run up on him, it looks like he can he can get away. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't entirely disagree. Okay, but to
0: play devil's advocate, the the thing that concerns me, and, and which is why I asked about the, the pad scenario, if he's having difficulty right now in just shell thud practice types such type scenarios, and we know that historically, right, the knock on him coming out of Texas Tech was after his second punctured lung. That's when he started getting happy feet in the pocket, started getting the jitters, started missing on throws that everybody knew he could make. And then he's had nothing but injuries. And so that that has followed him for the last three years, right? A guy with a crap ton of talent that – Maybe missed his opportunity because now he's too scared in the pocket, right? And we're not even in pads yet. So that's my only fear there is when you see the accuracy, you're like, oh, my goodness gracious. Like, we're going to win 10, 10 games, right? But then whenever you see the live product without pads, that concerns me, man. If he's already missing windows without having dudes actually run him over, that's my concern for when the season starts, brother. I think he should be the guy. I hope he's the guy, because I, I I agree with you. We need a corn dog, bridge the gap type of season. But, man, I, am I the only one scared that when we get pads on, it might even get worse?
1: Well, and it's not even that, too. I mean, yeah, that's something concerning. Like I said, it's still super early. You know what I mean? So, like, he has plenty of time, but it also, you know, you talk about that, but it goes into the O-line, too, because our yes. O-line has been bad the last four or five years of protecting the quarterback, and so, you know, with a guy like a, I know Zane Flores, like looking at his highlights from high school, like, you know, he could run, he was, you know, he would run when he had to, and, you know, but that's high school football. That's a completely different level of football. Now you're, you're college football division one playing in a top three conference in the country. So it really just depends on can our O-line block. And so, you know, I feel like, the Last couple of years, if we didn't have Spencer Sanders, we would have been screwed because yeah. we need a guy, a quarterback that is mobile with his feet that can get out because our O-line cannot block, man. They cannot block. And that is like the most frustrating thing. You know, Spencer Sanders getting all this hate like, oh, he throws picks, he throws picks. He never had time. bro. He yeah. never had time. If he had an O-line like what Mason Rudolph had, he would have been phenomenal. He really would have. He would have been great, and so that's why I can't stand the Spencer Sanders uh, hate because the guy, like, it's not all of his fault. Our O-line is just terrible, and so that's what I'm looking forward to this year. It's like, you know, we bring a lot of O-line guys back, and so it's like – All of them, bro, 99%. Are you going to be able to block? And no, it's not all their fault. Coaching has a lot to do with it. Um, so yeah, we'll calling see.
0: a, calling a draw up the two hole on third and 22 is not super helpful.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it really, you know, we talk about the quarterback play and what's going to happen, but you know, for O-line can't block, I don't think any of them are going to be successful. Okay. So,
0: um, I want to get to O-line. I'm actually really glad that you kind of segued into it, but, but briefly, I do want to ask you, do you think, do you think there's any, way to read into Gunnar gundy having the most surprising spring he didn't get a crap ton of reps okay and he's only two weeks removed from getting released from that shoulder surgery but because of that reconstructive shoulder surgery he wasn't pegged to really do anything so for yeah. him to get out there complete a few passes move the ball move his feet um and, you know, move up in the pocket not get happy feet do you think that's anything to read into um, or is it one of those, well, we don't have pads on, so he's probably four-string no matter what? Or do you think that it's at least indicative of the, of the possibility of him being a solid number three guy and, and, again, allowing that maturation process to occur naturally for Zane Flores? Or do you think Zane's the three and Gunner's the four, regardless of
1: what happens? I think Gunnar Gundy lives the dream, you know, coming into – his first year at OSU, I think the guy understood that he's probably never going to see the field or he won't play that much. I think he's just wants to kind of follow out like what his dad did, live the dream of what his dad did. And, you know, Gunder Gundy, he could be a great quarterback, at, like a division two school, yeah. but, you know, yeah. he has talent, but he's just not there for big 12 football. And I love the kid. He's a great kid. You know what I mean? No knock on him. You know, he, he has come in and games and looked pretty decent, but, i think regardless of the situation like i believe he's going to be four string regardless right. you know um, he still might get in games like if we blow anybody out this year you know he could still get in if depending on what we do with flores you know uh if we redshirt him or not you know he still has an opportunity to get in the game so right. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you know he had a really good scrimmage i'm happy for the kid you know like i said phenomenal kid but to be honest with you i don't think it matters at all because i don't think he's gonna see the field that much
0: i mean you're, you're probably not wrong uh, I well i do think you're wrong as far as like the d2 thing i i don't know i'm i'm a believer in gunner i think gunner could start at a lot of d1s at the tulsa levels the tulane levels the, the yeah for sure yeah most definitely. levels um yeah. UTSA even right you know I, I think you can have a lot of success there and I've said it before so I won't beat the dead horse but people do forget that Gunner's evaluations coming out of high school we're not bad right? no there's a lot of knocks on him for being a lefty and this and that and the other but I tell people all the time for what it's worth right Gary Patterson did in fact get fired but Gary Patterson had Gunner as literally their top one of their top quarterback targets
1: really um, yeah I did not. Yeah. So it.
0: it's it's not like people didn't want Gunner. It's that people didn't offer Gunner because they found out that he was 99% sure he was going to o state. That's just. Oh,
1: yeah. It. Most definitely. I mean, I went and so I watched him play. Um, the dude threw for, for almost
0: 9,000 yards. Yeah. Like, no. He's not they, a sieve.
1: They had the uh, state championship for the 6A Division two out here in Owasso.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, his yeah. junior was it senior year and they played Bixby. And they lost. Stillwater two year, lost. Two a years play in play. a row, they lost to Bixby in the time. Yeah, they lost, but Gunner had a very good game. Yes. I, you know, he, like Both you said, times. maybe I should have said a lower division one because I do, I'm with you. Like, I agree. I think he could go play at a lower division one or, like I said, a really good division two and he'd be very successful. But yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, every
1: time I think of Gunnar Gundy, I think of last year after Spencer Sanders got knocked out of the game and can state shaken. Oh yeah. And he comes in (laughs) and man, they have the camera up on him and he's sitting there just like Poor guy. Shaking. Yeah. He's gonna live with him
0: forever, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, no knock. I think he is a great guy. I think he has a lot of potential. And to be honest with you, I'm surprised that I'd be surprised if he spends the like his whole career at OSU because I would love to see the guy go play somewhere and actually start and play. You know what I mean? Same with Gage Gundy. Yeah, and I'm surprised Gundy hasn't, Mike hasn't told him that. But, you know, right. like I said, maybe that's just Gunner's dream. Maybe he just wants to be at OSU. And right, if that, absolutely. that's the case, then, you know, I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So we, we've hit all the quarterbacks.
0: Um, let's jump to the O line. Let's jump to the O line, right? Because that, that's, that's a natural segue here. Um, So, what you said was accurate. Our O line hasn't been able to stop a flipping cold, right? And without Jalen Warren, it it was really – it's just been a mess. It's been an absolute mess. But the difference between this year and last year is last year at this time, we didn't have enough O-linemen to do anything. We didn't have enough O-linemen to even run a legitimate two-deep. We did not have enough physical bodies to have a productive spring from the O-line. And you know I don't defend – I don't defend Coach Dickey. Like, I love him. I I love what he did at K-State, right? He's a legend at K-State. He's been absolutely horrendous at Oklahoma State. But where I do have a little faith is we're going back to an old school type of system, okay? So if we're asking guys like a Caleb ETN, like uh, a Dalton Cooper, to oversimplify, right? The, The military KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. It's, it's, it's that easy. What does every old lineman want to do? They want to get a hold of that guy in front of them and manhandle him like a rag doll and get themselves a pancake on the stat sheet. You can't do that in pass pro very often. It's completely different. So I will give Coach Dickey that. He, he went from doing what? Maybe 30% pass pro to 70% pass pro. So maybe we're asking him to do something that he was never able to do from the very beginning. So maybe we're going to see a new side, but okay. I mentioned Caleb Etienne. What do you think we're going to do at left tackle? Because you had even mentioned earlier that Caleb Etienne came in with a lot of hype, right? And he's a mountain of a man. He came in at like six, eight, three, 70 or something like that. Right. And, he and he did have to shed 60, 65 pounds. So he played last year in a new body, but that new body didn't suit him very
1: well. Yeah, he he definitely had some issues last year, and they said you know coming going into the season, you know Mike Gummy praised Caleb Etienne and gave him a lot of credit and said so, you know he's he's improved a lot and he's probably one of the most improved on the team. But you know his his play on the field was a little disappointing. You know he still let a lot of D linemen get to. Spencer, he had a lot of flags called against him. And it's like, I I, I get it. Like, I understand he's still trying to figure it out. He has the potential, the body to be an NFL talent and go play in the NFL for five, six, seven, eight, nine years, you know, but at some point it has to translate onto the field. And so I think this year, you know, we were talking about it before the show. I think regardless, he's still going to get that nod at left tackle. Okay, And they're just going to kind of, they're just going to kind of feel it out and see what happens because, He'll definitely start, in my opinion, against South Alabama. You know, like, they'll just try it out the first couple of games and see and just see And if they need to move someone around. Like, what do you say you thought? Was it Preston Wilson was going to move to the left? Uh, left well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Dalton Cooper, right? Because Gal- Dalton, Dalton, Cooper, Dalton Cooper's Dalton the guy
0: Cooper. who uh, played left tackle, right, four years at Texas State. I know it's Texas State, but you cannot fake production. And the dude – allowed seven sacks and 1,328 flipping
1: snaps. Man, I don't even care where you play. It's so the yes. experience and getting there. And, you know, there's going to be big guys at every level. I don't care. You know, there's going to be – there's so many – there's so many football players in this country. There's guys that slip through the cracks, end up going D2, D3, NAIA, and are great yes. talent. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't care where they came from. Like, you know, when I first heard of the Utah Tech dude on the D-line and they came, I'm like – Mm -hmm. utah tech but then i saw the guy i'm like bro this guy is massive like he is you can't teach
0: 350
1: yeah so it's like texas state or not he has the experience he's been out there he has like i said a great resume only allowing you said seven sacks in his whole career that's very impressive so if it is what it is if that's it's meant to be it's meant to be you know we'll see we'll see uh, how it's going to go but like i said regardless you know we just want to see that O-line make strides to be better and protect the quarterback and just open up gaps for our running game. You know what I mean?
0: Well, let's say that's the case, okay? Let's say that
1: Caleb Etienne holds
0: down the left tackle spot. Let's say that Dalton Cooper slides over to the right tackle. Yeah, You have two dudes that are 6'7", 320, 340 flipping pounds, and we're going to highlight the offense this year, which is, again, like you see people like Braden Cassidy I'm sure you've heard by now he's been moved full back, full time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the only one. Uh, Schultz uh, was somebody that that, that we're going to be able to, to replicate in that role as well. Um, and then the tight end position. We have a real tight end position. Now, I've seen some comments in some of my other videos from the last few days um, You know about doing different breakdowns. And the reason that we're doing it, kind of categorically it's because i'm letting the people pick but the people i think are picking i really want to do o-line next as my full like film type of breakdown you know what i mean but people are clamoring for some tight end stuff man because we haven't had a real tight end in seven years eight years
1: it's been a long time
0: so now we have legitimate tight ends that played tight end their whole life that came here from playing tight end to play tight end again and so, again, if you're going to have those, those mountain of men on the outside and now you know you've got legitimate, certified, bona fide tight ends that are damn near Brennan Pettigrew size, is the interior of this O-line maybe not precisely what Coach Dickey thrived on at K-State? The Cole Birminghams and the Taylor Matercos uh, and, of the world? Right? Is that not the kind of the essence of, of what he was? And that's not even talking about somebody like a Noah McKinney who has a lot of snaps, a lot of playing time. He scored very, very well at at uh, UNLV, right? And yeah. he's a disciple of Marcus Arroyo. I just, I, I think that what Dickey has always maybe wanted, he might actually have now. And, we, and again, we return 99% of the roster. And here's the fun part. If you look at it, and there's a lot of m- moving parts still, but it looks like we could easily have four new starting linemen. Now, Cole Birmingham's kind of cheating because he's not not really new, right? He missed all season to injury last year. Okay, so even if you take him out out of the picture, you're talking about three new linemen off of a group that returns all of its all of its roster. Dude, we go three deep at every single position except for maybe center and even even center uh, because again i know taylor materko has played there preston wilson is a jack of all trades right preston wilson can, can slide all over which is yep. something that our coaching staff has, has pride has been able to pride itself on but i mean is this not maybe the dickie mold that we've been looking for
1: well, I think regardless, you know, after after this past season, you know, seeing all the struggles that our O-line has had over the last couple of years, I think a lot of people, you know, were fed up with Dickey. I know I was one person. I was definitely a person that <laughs> thought Dickey was going to be fired this offseason. But like you said, maybe the system that we've been running on our offensive line isn't something that he's ever been familiar with. But Mike Gundy just wanted to roll it out and see what would happen. And so maybe now, like you said, we're doing stuff that Dickie really knows how to do or what he did at Kansas State. So Mike, like, I'm just like, here, we're going to do it this way. This is what you're used to, what you've done in the past. Let's see what you can do with it. And we'll go from there. So I well, hope, I hope it works out. Obviously, you yeah. know, I don't ever want to see our Oklahoma state be bad, but it's, you know, after year after year, we've been having this offensive line problem. So it's like, is something going to change because we've been it's it's, and super repetitive.
0: Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. You ready? Let's do it. Do you remember the only true freshman that played on the O-line last year?
1: Not off the top of my head, no.
0: Um, remember Austin Kweki, that number 51 fella? Remember he came in and played uh, left tackle?
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And, okay, so the at the biggest surprise to me last season was that did he get a crap ton of snaps? No. But he was pushing ETN mid season, right? Early on mid-season. So that means that's another person that we haven't even necessarily had a conversation about. And maybe because I, I know that I overlooked him last year. When I saw him on the field, I had to look up the roster. Cause like, who is number 51? And why is right. why is he a left tackle? What is happening right now? And you know, there's a lot of reports. Even Robert Allen had a really good report on the kid last season. He's just—he's extremely athletic. He's been able to go through the body by glassism system. It's six foot five for a tackle. Great, no, but again, we're looking for some versatility. And if the kid's good enough to play as a left tackle early on, I think it, it would be natural to assume that he could slide in there, right? And again, this is another of uh, Frisco, Texas. Uh, we've had some uh, success with Frisco. Lately, right? We've had Frisco Lone Star and now and now this Frisco High School as well. And he was ranked in the top 60 for a position. He was a good get man and he played a lot as a true freshman, which is a very eye-opening thing for I think all of us to experience. But he, you know, is he gonna be a factor in all of this? Because uh, I know you said, didn't you say you pulled up the two too deep a little bit earlier?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me see. So little.
0: I don't even know where, where does he where does he factor right now on the two day as, as far as classification? Because I'm I'm curious to see where Joe Mikulski and Drake Springfield and, and him uh line up right now.
1: So they got Jake Springfield at the right left behind Dalton Cooper.
0: Tracking. That makes sense.
1: Um and then it just says others not listed, Noah McKinney. Uh I'm not even seeing. I'm
0: yeah, seeing. it's weird. It, it, it's weird how they have it configured. But I think it, it, the reason I the reason I asked was because if you look at the two deep, I think that it's nothing but an indication that we do have a lot of guys who can play multiple positions, right? We know Jake Springfield has played right tackle. He's played a little left tackle, played a little bit of guard. Uh, Joe Mikulski, he's kind of played all over there in the middle, He's a boss. We know Cole Birmingham coming back is going to be massively important for us. Taylor Materko, I know he's a he was a little undersized, but you know he's played a lot of snaps. Uh, and then we haven't even talked about Jason Queso Brooks, the guy who scored out the best basically all season from the guard position. Now, he did have quite a few flags, but he also scored out the best. Uh, but do you think that we have an offensive lineman right here right now that is a potential first-team, all-Big 12-caliber dude? And if so, who?
1: I think Preston Wilson, just for what he can do, he can play literally any position on that O-line. And he, like, you know, last year, he was kind of our go-to when he got hurt. Yes. Our yes. O-line suffered. You yeah. could tell, like, you know, didn't we get him back against OU and he was still banged up a little bit, but he, he played? I can't recall if it was OU – I believe West, West, it was
0: Virginia, but we, we did get him back before the bowl. Nonetheless, yeah.
1: he, I mean, just that alone, just. It helps. Yeah. Like, you know, we were, we needed him back and, you know, you could tell our O-line was suffering. So that's why I say that because I feel like he is a huge, he's a huge piece to our O-line and he's that guy that I think everybody looks up to on the O-line, like, you know, 100%. So that's how I, I think him or I like I said I really like uh Joe McCaskey like I think he is a gr- he was a great addition to our offensive line good guy Joe, I, I call him Joe Derte Joe Derte
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> dude he's got like the that. mullet.
0: he's got the mullet locks the love thing going and I flip and dig it yeah man when's the last time as an O State fan you can say we were deep all the way across the offensive line. I didn't say super, super talented. We don't know yet. But depth. Like, we haven't had that in goodness, man. How long?
1: Dude, it's been, like I said, I think the last decent O-line that we had was in the Mason-Rudolph years. So, I mean, it's it's been a minute. And I don't even know how deep they were. I can't even remember how deep the O-lines were whenever Mason was here. But I just knew that they protected him pretty well for the most part yeah so,
0: I, and you know corndog corndog actually had a he had a decent line he had a decent yeah line. it
1: wasn't bad but i'm saying like you know like you, you're you talking about yeah. depth with all the depth that osu has coming back on the o-line there should be no exception this year that they played like they did last year these dudes better come out here and be ready to play because <laughs> man i'm telling you dickie knows he has to know like coaches see what fans put on like tweet out about them. And I know a lot of, a lot of it is irrelevant. Like, you know, what fans think is irrelevant. You know what I'm saying? But to some degree. Yes. You got to think like, you know, Dickie knows people are talking about him on social media and, you know, it's, he he has to know that we aren't, we aren't happy, whether it's his fault or Gundy's fault, whoever's fault it is, man. Or we could have had some very solid teams in the last couple of years. And even in two years ago, when we made it to the Fiesta Bowl and beat Notre Dame, like, our O-line was bad. We just have Jalen Warren, who was just that good and could, you know, he was a magician with the ball. He could do anything. And, I mean, if you look at our game against Notre Dame and the Fiesta Bowl, our O-line was getting smacked around left and right. Granted, Notre Dame had some boys that were just big. So, I give, I give our O-line props for fighting, but the reason we won that game is because Spencer Sanders could run if he needed to. That's well, not I'm only concerned. that,
0: man, we – we got to see a wide open offense in that second half because we had no choice, right, yep. Uh, yep. dude? This last season, man, it, if we got the lead early, it scared me. I'll it's just be 100 so honest with
1: you. That if TCU we, game still haunts me, my man. I'm like I, we should not, oh, but we get it, man. <laughs> man I, well, so and many- you don't
0: you, you don't want to say that one game, right, affects? everything but it, it did man that there, game now, did
1: there, a lot of things there
0: was some slight issues coming into the game but nothing big that game really just kind of put some of the stuff out there that oh okay we've got we've got some stuff to to kind of get squared away which I, I think we're on the right road um okay so we're gonna break this up into two boss man right uh so let me let me go ahead and get us out and then i'll bring us right back in all right for all of the 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 fans out there stay tuned we're gonna roll this thing right back through here uh so come right back until then thank you for making this your first listen here on lockdown oklahoma state my name is cody stoval that's trent snitz i mean that's his name on twitter and that's the name he wants to go by he's gonna stick with it so uh yeah tune back in for part two all right cool beans see y'all in